Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at SEShires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at PicketBlackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at PicketBlackburn.com, and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. Hey everybody, Larry Powell here. Today's interview is with three members of the Shires uh, production and design team. And you're going to hear introductions from each one of them. Hopefully you'll, you'll know their voices throughout the interview. But very informative about the people themselves and also the jobs that they do at SE Shires. So before we get to that, just another thanks to Aaron Raum for the voiceover at the beginning and end of this podcast, and enjoy today's interview. Let's do some introductions real quick. And Sam, if you wanna start it the same way we did last time. Yeah, my name is Samantha Lane and I'm the Director of Sales and Marketing for SE Shires. For me, I came to the company because I loved the instruments so much. And as a trumpet player, I, I really fell in love pretty quickly with the horns. I've been with the company now for six, almost seven years, maybe, maybe this seven now I'd have to like actually do some math in my head, but yeah, it's been a really fun journey for me. I came in as a part-time salesperson and I'm now the director of sales and marketing for the company. And I run our um, wholesale sales for us and international dealers, as well as our retail sales. I get to work with an incredible team one person who's on here right now, Matt Nishida, and Alexa Smith, who is just in our trombone podcast as well. But then additionally, get to work with some pretty incredible artists like Larry, who's in our artist relations program, as well as some R&D and other fun extra perks of the job. So it's a pretty incredible career. Yeah. James. Yeah, my name's James Monahan. I'm the general manager here at Shires. I've been here since 2004. 
I started back in the, in the back of the shop in the buffing room before I even really knew what the buffing room was. I did, I did sales and marketing for about a year, but most of the time I spent in the back of the shop as a craftsman. I was, I was our slide maker for six or seven years. I also have built a lot of trumpets. I've spun a few bells and, uh, you know, made a lot of other, other parts along the way. Most of my experience was, was in hand slides, actually. Now my position is I'm essentially sort of overseeing the, the manufacturing operations here, here at Shires. We've got a, a team of about 30 craftsmen in the back of the shop that take, you know, all the orders on paper and, and turn them into actual instruments. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool process, making, making stuff out of metal with hammers and fire. <laughs> it's very primitive sounding when you put it that way. <laughs> we have some science. We have some, some computers in the back too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt. Yeah. So I joined SE Shires almost four years ago, I would say. Crazy. Three years. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Time definitely flies by when you're having fun. <laughs> so uh, I am currently the wholesale account manager, so I'm kind of the liaison between our Eastman sales team throughout the country and Shires. So I help take their orders and do any kind of service that I can for them or our wholesale dealers. And yeah. you, you have a background in music as well. I mean, you are, you're a trumpet player, right? I am a trumpet player, yeah. So I finished, I moved to Boston to study trumpet performance at the Boston Conservatory. And after school, I was planning on doing some kind of grad school. And I was on Facebook and I saw a post on Facebook that Shires was hiring. And funny enough, maybe two weeks before that, I had was talking to a friend and I was like, man, what would be a cool job to get out of school? And we we're just talking back and forth. I was like, you know what would be really cool is to work for Shires. And this was before I had even seen that, that Facebook post. So it was just so like serendipitous that it came up. The post had been posted for about a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, someone's probably hired already. It's, it's already filled. But I was like, well, let's take our chances and submit our resume. And, and I got incredibly lucky to, to join this, this team. So this is exactly where I want to be. I didn't realize you'd only been there four years. I mean, the first time I met you, you seemed like, I mean, you knew everything inside well, you know. Out. Yeah, you fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> oh, that, was, that that demeanor that you're talking about, Larry, is why I was so excited to bring Matt onto the team. It was immediately apparent from the moment that I met him that he belonged here and that he was already a part of the company. Just the way that he spoke, he had already been playing Shire's trumpets as well. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that's totally why Matt is yeah. the the rock star that he is. Yeah, yeah my, I mean, my first introduction to Shires was to the instrument itself, like many of us, you know, I, I came in, my first lesson I had at school, the first point of topic was, you need a new trumpet. <laughs> that was the first thing that Steve Emery said to me. My bell had been like smashed a few times in high school marching band. The valves was a very leafy horn. So he's like, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Because you need to come over and you need to, we need to find you a new horn. And so I went through about four horns that Steve had and the Shires was it. It just really spoke to me. It's really the intangibles of the instrument and the sound and the, the ease and the playability of the horn. And that's what drew me to the, I've never heard of Shires before that point, actually, you know, coming from an island in Hawaii. So I think that that first introduction, I was like, oh my God, this is what a trumpet can sound like. It was incredible. 
And right. so the fact that I ended up here so many years later, it's, it's pretty amazing. I want to come back to something you said in just a second, but James, I want to go back. You said you started in the buffing room. Is that kind of the equivalent of starting in the mail room at a large corporation? <laughs> I mean, does everybody start in the buffing room? Is that to see if you've got the metal that it takes to, to go any further? No pun intended. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> back then, yeah, everyone started in the buffing room because it was a terrible job. It was, it was hot and dirty and, and physically demanding. There were two guys in there that were absolute masters at it, and you know, adding a adding a new a new young guy back then, who was a trombone player in in into into that part of the business was you know a little bit unheard of. I think you know, it's it's a hard job. It's really it, back then, especially, it was really messy and dirty and and a little bit dangerous. Even you know those those wheels can can hurt you very quickly. I, I luckily got through my time in the buffing room with only minor injuries and, you know, minor, you know, dust inhalation. We've done a lot, a lot, you know, especially in the last five years to really improve the, the health and safety in the buffing room. You know, if, if you look at, you know, we did a, a virtual factory tour on, on one of Sam's Facebook live events. And, and in that we do a little tour of the buffing room. And one of the things we did just in the last few years is like this massive dust collector project where we actually completely redesigned all the dust collection and made it, made it much cleaner, much safer for everybody. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, back then the, the buffing room was, was kind of like the starting point. And if you could make it there and keep showing up every day, uh, <laughs> that's was, was kind of a good sign. Right. Yeah. Okay, Matt, I want to go back now. Something you said, well, you're talking about being in Boston. Hammond mouthpieces out of Chicago, right? It's very regional. Pickett, very regional. Warburton, very regional. Although now, you know, those brands have grown nationally. So is that kind of the way Shires was? It was maybe a New England or even narrower? Was it just kind of the Boston area where those were, that was the only experience people had with Shires was locally or, or a small region? I mean, now, of course, you're national or uh, international. But w when did... Am I right with that? And then if so, when did things really change? I don't know, maybe, well, for me, how long ago was that now? Eight years ago, possibly when I was first introduced to Shires. So coming from, so I was born and raised in, in Hawaii and just moved out to Boston for school. And that being my first introduction, that was, I guess that was my, maybe my first impression of the company was yeah, that it was more of a, a smaller handmade you know kind of instrument company i definitely don't think that's the case at all now you know especially on the trumpet side i think shires has always been known for their trombones you know and the low brass because that's what they've been doing for a very long time but as far as where where we've come from that point i think it's been a tremendous amount of growth for the trumpet side of things you know, mm -hmm. stemming from from the Doc Severinsen time when we first started making trumpets because of Doc. And I think Sam can probably speak to that story really well, to why we started making trumpets. But I think, you know, Shires has always been known for the trombones, but we've been able to carry what we're known for in that color of sound and, like I was saying, all the intangibles of an instrument and carry that over into the trumpet making side of things. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's incredible to see how far the company has come, even from the first time I've ever picked up the Sh a Shire trumpet for the very first time. I think the serial number I have is like 600 or something like that, you know? 
Wow. So it's pretty incredible to see. Yeah. So Sam, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I actually grew up in New England and ran into Shires for the first time. Gosh, I guess it was, James, was my first time with Shires when we were at UConn and you were there with Horns, right? So like I was still in my undergrad and I think it was before I had actually gotten my first Shires trumpet. And it happened to be one of those regional things like you're talking about. I was in New England. A couple people from Shires, James included, popped down to University of Connecticut and brought some horns. And I was the the jerk who wouldn't stop playing at people, and, like looking for feedback and whatever. But yeah, for me, I guess it was a more regional encounter just because of the proximity to the factory. That's also why I became more affiliated with the company because I ended up going to school for my master's at New England Conservatory and was, you know, pretty close to Shires, was able to go out to the factory and if they were testing a new model, I came out a few times to, to try some different things and gradually became more involved with the team there. So for me, I guess it was a little bit more of that regional-based interaction at the beginning, which is kind of interesting now that I think about it. But it has grown considerably, both in the U.S. and then internationally as well. It's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, you know, it doesn't take long. It takes one person, like a personality such as Doc, to become affiliated with a brand that can just, and I'm not saying he's the reason, but you know, saying those are reasons that all of a sudden everybody knows who Shires is, right? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about some of the major influences on trumpet design for you guys. You mentioned Doc, but are there others that have really contributed to how this line has grown? I think one of the key people and we're so, and you know, we can speak more to the the design of the instruments and, and the actual like manufacturing, but one of the key people who has been such a huge gem in our entire Trump development process, other than Doc, is Terry Everson. Terry is one of my trumpet heroes and, you know, has the most incredible sound, the most incredible technique, the most incredible finesse, and he's just a gem of a human being. And he's down the street, you know, he's in Boston. He's an he's an incredible resource for us. So from early on, Terry was always a huge part of the, the process, the play testing, asking for feedback. You know, I, I know specifically when we were working on a cornet, when we were working on a piccolo trumpet, when we were working on new things, Terry's one of the first people that we go to. It's almost difficult because he sounds so good on anything. I mean, you can't really tell if it's really better than the other one because he sounds great no matter what he does. But at the same time, like he's a really valuable resource for us. And we're so lucky to be able to work with him in that capacity. And he is like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, right? It's remarkable. Oh, yeah. 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 So, okay. So that's two. But I mean, uh, give me give me some other. I mean, there's so many other great people out there that. Well, yeah. I mean, like Vinny DiMartino earlier on was really wonderful. And I know he's another gem to the community. Vince is like everybody's like uncle and family member, right? And also in the design feedback process, you know, he and Doc are thick as thieves and being able to talk trumpets. And, you know, there are so many times where we were working on horns or talking about horns over dinner or splitting, you know, a cigar in the parking lot somewhere or whatever, and just talking about horns. Vince was another one early on that was really, really key. At this point, we're really, really lucky to be able to work with so many outstanding players and educators and clinicians and all of that. But yeah, some of those formative influences, and James, maybe you can add to that, would definitely be Doc and 
Vinny and Terry. I'm trying to think who else, like, early on. James, maybe you can give me a couple. Rob Smith down in Florida. Oh, was, was of course. The first, the first oh, yeah. you know, orchestral sea trumpet artist that, that worked with us. And he was yeah. just remarkably helpful in developing our first sea trumpets. You know, we had, we'd worked with Doc on the B-flat trumpet, and that was that was essentially the only trumpets that we were making really at the time. But, you know, Terry was a great help. I mean, we also, you know, got a lot of really good feedback early on from Tom Rolfs, the BSO, and and Mike Martin, you know, and, and those guys in, in that section as well. You know, we, we the good thing about Boston is we have a really good, you know, collection of really amazing freelance trumpet players. You know, like New England, Boston in particular, like has a really active freelancing scene. So even, you know, Joe Foley from the, from Rhode Island would come and, and, and try horns and evaluate them for us, which, which, you know, he, he, he still doesn't have a Shires, but his feedback has been, has been remarkably helpful. And we, we happen to employ as craftsmen, a really strong collection of, of Very really amazing player. trumpet players. Yeah. Um, at, at one point we had, probably twice as many trumpet players on staff as we did trombone players, you know, just, just for whatever reason, you know, there's, there's a, a local guy in town, Dan LePage, who's just a remarkable trumpet player. He gave us a ton of really good feedback. It still, you know, still plays our horns. Scott Sabo, who just recently left us to move back to Virginia to, but he, he was, he was a fantastic trumpet player, a great freelancer. He was both in the president's own Marine band and Pershing's own army bands in DC before coming to us, you know, you know, having having those people at you know at our disposable to disposal to 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 pick up a horn and play it right after we've made it is is invaluable. When we talked trombones last hour, you were talking about how the New York Phil you were able to sit and listen to the the three players, you know, the Shire section. Mm-hmm. Have you had that opportunity with trumpets? Yes, but it's, it's different. It's it's so in our old shop. We had, you know, it's it kind of an old dumpy building and there were these little vestibules that you basically walked into a little like box vestibule and then you could get into the building. So the, the comparable experience is being in that vestibule, closed space, you know, hard floor with Doc and Severinsen playing a trumpet as loud as he can at your face. We, we called it the Doc Locker, that, that vestibule, because that's where he likes to play. He likes to play where he can hear himself as loud as you're hearing him. So he would, you know, he'd come and spend a week with us developing trumpets and he'd say, come here, come on, try this. And he grabbed four people and they'd all crowd into the vestibule and he would play trumpet at them. And, and it was great, but you couldn't hear anything for the rest of the day. So that it's, it's a different, it's different with right. that. <laughs> right. right. I mean, it has been really fun. Like so much of what we do, so much of what I've done, not now with COVID, but you know, in prior years, if we're going out for a show, I often try to make appointments with local players to have them test instruments and, and provide some feedback. And, you know, getting to visit players all over the country in different orchestras and bringing instruments in that same process, being able to sit on stage and hear them play in a section with the Shires, mixing them in with what they're currently playing, going out into the hall, listening from there. Again, like as a trumpet player, like what a freaking treat to be able to, to hear some of these incredible players playing on something that you feel so passionately about and sounding like a million bucks too. Yeah. You know, same kind of thing when we go to universities and we do master classes. I remember there was one time and I, oh gosh, we were in Texas and lo and behold, the teacher gets up and he's like, sure, I'll, I'll play one of these. Let me hear it or let me try it and plays on the Shires. And all of the students are like, 
you're whatever you sound so much better on that and like he was like really what okay well this isn't what I was expecting but wow that's a pretty incredible experience it was a San Antonio show ITG which was 2018 is that right 2018 no it was Hershey you guys remember the Hershey show yeah Yeah. Uh, I think that's where Ryan Richmond I was in the Shires Eastman room and Ryan Richmond he, he said, hey, Larry, come here. And he pointed me towards my CBLA XL. Yay. Right? He's, and he said, you're going to like this. And I looked, I said, it's an XL. You know, I, it's too big. <laughs> and I played it and I was like, dang, gone it. You know, I can't afford this horn right now, you know? And so I, did, I didn't buy it at the show. Six months later, though, I placed my order, you know, I got, I got the horn. <laughs> it wasn't the exact same horn, but this was one of the last concerts we did with one of the orchestras I play with. We did all James Bond program and I did a ballad on it. And then I did some of the, you know, the big scream and stuff on it. I mean, the same trumpet. And it did, this is one of the reasons I like it. I was like, I can't believe I can do all of this. I don't have to switch equipment. You know, <laughs> I, I might I may have switched a mouthpiece, right? But the, the rest <laughs> of the equipment... It was great, you know, and I, that's, it's one of the reasons I like it. It's the C trump. It's the same thing. It's so versatile. I, I love, and again, Sam, thank you for picking that horn out for me. That was a special thing. I'm so happy that it stuck and what I thought would work, worked so great for you. Yeah. You know, but it was nice. Also, you sent three others, I think along and, but it was still, I, I kept gravitating right back to that, that one every mm-hmm. single time. So yeah, it, <laughs> the dock locker but that that doesn't exist did you did you move anything like that to the new location he when we when we when we bought this new building and did a build out he specifically requested that i build him a stairwell didn't have to go anywhere but he needed a stairwell we haven't been able to do that yet but it's certainly on on the you know the list of things that he wants us to do i mean i think we've probably tried having him play in our lacquer booth which is <laughs> similar you know and but the good thing is our showroom is actually really really a great acoustical environment now you know in the in the old building the, the showroom was just a room with a drop ceiling and carpet and it was fine the new showroom that we have here on site is has got nice high ceilings and a nice hard floor and it's really live you know, live space. And, and it's, it's hard not to sound good in that room when you're playing the Shires. Uh, so it's nice. Very nice showroom. Good yeah. problem. To have. So, you know, uh, the, the big developments, of course, the last couple of years have been the smaller trumpets, the E flat and the piccolo. Mm-hmm. And now I know Eastman designed a flugel. I have one of their flugels, but the Shires have a flugel horn yet. So I, we can talk about it a little bit because it's exciting developments. Please. Kind of fun. I think that's one of the biggest projects that may or may not be literally on James's desk or like around the corner. We are working on our Q-series and custom series flugelhorn right now. Mm. It's, it was a little bit delayed due to COVID, but it's been one of the biggest projects we've been you know, working towards on the trumpet side of things for a while. We're, we've been taking it really seriously because we want this flugelhorn to be, you know, what dreams are made of, basically. Bells, basically, we're pretty happy with the rest of the cluster design and all of that. It hasn't actually gotten out to people for feedback yet. We're still doing some of these tests. We'll be able to, in the near future, start sending it out. We're going to send one to Doc, of course, and get some feedback from him. 
But then, yeah, we'll have a custom series flugelhorn and a Q series flugelhorn probably at least in early 2021, something like that. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, it's very like, exciting. What, yeah, what James was saying about having, like the cool thing about doing the R&D on the trumpet side of things is having all of these great trumpet players at the shop, you know, like Sean, like just hearing them just R&D these horns in the showroom, you're like, oh my God, that's not even a complete like model yet. And it sounds so good. And being able to tweak it on the spot in the factory, you know, before we send it out to our artists and um, influencers for trial, I think we can, it allows us to get our instruments in a really, really good place before we even send them out for more feedback from our artists, mm -hmm. which is really cool. It's a really cool process to see and to get to be a part of. So Alexis mentioned that she play tests the trombones. Who's the trumpet play tester? That would be Kenny. So Kenny has his DMA in trumpet performance, an amazing, amazing trumpet player. He just has like this, and an incredible feel for the horns too. I think that's more important for being able to play test is being able to make sure that each horn feels consistent to that one player. There, there are other trumpet players in the shop that can play test. And, like Matt and you know, I used to, but we're also on the road typically so much that it's not really the best idea for us to be responsible for play testing if we're gone for 150 days a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, especially, um, and especially with trumpet, we have you know there's there's a there's a there's a maybe a wider variety of approach to trumpet, right? You know, Kenny is is our orchestral legit trumpet play tester. When we're looking at a you know a flugelhorn or a, a lead trumpet, Sean Batista, who's who's our our slide finisher, has a phenomenal trumpet player and oh, yeah. can 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 blow lead on 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 a CBLA as good as anyone. So uh, <laughs> nice having, having both those guys. And, you know, we've got a couple newer craftsmen here. Nick Martino, our, uh, our, one of our valve section, trombone valve section builders, also a great, great kind of like more commercial trumpet player. So we've got, we've got enough variety of, of types of players in addition to really high caliber, just trumpet players in general. Mm -hmm. How the development of the E flat and the piccolo, how's that been coming along? Are those, are those yeah. So the, the E flat D was, we did that project maybe, what's five, six years ago, something like that. It was longer than that. Even. Longer than that, yeah. We've had it for quite a while. I, I still think that the E flat D is one of the best trumpets we make because to me, it's, it's so incredible compared to some of the other instruments that are out there. Like there's so much body of sound and it's not just a utility instrument. I feel that way about our piccolo too. The piccolo project was so fun. It was also so fast. We had a really clear vision about what it was that we wanted. We were able to execute it in like a matter of months, really. Like, I mean, it's it's very, very, it was it was faster than I was anticipating. And I was really happy about it because the horn was so damn good. So that's been on for a few years. So what would that vision sound like when you get together and it's like, okay, you, you start to lay this out, write it down. What does that vision look like for a new instrument? Yeah, so like, I mean, maybe talking about the flugel process is a good one. So when we're thinking about what do we want a flugel horn to be, we know that we still want to have what we call the Shire sound. We still want there to be a really nice, clear singing vocal quality to the instrument, even though the size, the shape, the timbre of the sound is going to be a little bit different. 
we know that we want the response point of the articulation to be just as quick and immediate as it is on the B flats and C's, even though you're on a flugelhorn. So how are we going to adapt the receiver and you know all of that to make sure that everything about that feels quick and responsive and comfortable? We start trying to identify the character of the instrument, I think probably pretty quickly in the beginning process. And similarly to how it is on trombones, how does that relate? How how does that character relate to a soldered bead or an unsoldered bead, a French bead or a standard bead, yellow brass, gold brass, German rose brass? What does that look like? So we can kind of, it's almost like one of those pick your own adventure books where if you take path A, it leads you here and then you have to take number one and then it takes you over here. Like all of these steps kind of add on into the process until you get to a really well-defined character of a sound. And my dog agrees with me. Yeah, so. dog agrees. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, I, I think about the evolution of things like this. And, but you got, you have such, I think with Eastman, but I think that's allowed you, the acquisition has allowed you guys to continue what was already in place and already moving forward, right? As the, but now you really have the, the financial structure to do that. Absolutely. And also, you know, a little bit about the collaboration between our factory here and the larger Eastman, you know, organization. It's, it's really allowed us to, to focus more on the things that make Shire special, the, the quality of construction and innovation, design, you know, all those kinds of things. You know, Eastman has been able to support us both, you know, financially as we were kind of getting back on our feet after after we were acquired. But also, you know, we've we've worked really hard to to improve the the parts and materials that that Eastman has already been making for the Eastman line of instruments. And and we're we're actually now starting to sort of combine the 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 manufacturing facilities where Eastman is, is making more of the sort of raw base parts, you know, bright-based tubing parts and stuff like that, and supplying those to both to both us here at the factory here and also the the Shire's Q series instruments and and the Eastman professional and, and, and instruments down 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 the line by sort of combining the parts streams and, and making sure that the parts are are of an exceptional quality regardless of which factory they're being made in. It's important that the parts are made properly and that they're the highest quality. And where the parts that can be made by Eastman are being made better by Eastman in their facilities than we were able to make in our little factory here, we're gonna use the better parts and, and we make sure that the parts are, are, are perfect for, for all the instruments across the whole line. So that, it's, been a, it's been a kind of a, a growing phase for us where we've, we've gone from everything has to be made by hand at Shires in our little garage to we're part of a really exceptional organization that's making instruments, you know, on two sides of the planet at the highest quality. And we want to make sure that everything that Shires and Eastman make are, are as perfect as can be made. I, I remember talking to Ryan just after the acquisition, but he was so excited. He's like, you know, the Shires people are going to improve the quality of the Eastman stuff. It was like the, the I don't know if you call it the QC process, mm -hmm. but you know, I remember playing, I, in fact, I have a beginner Eastman trumpet here on my shelf. If I had had that when I started in seventh grade, Oh man. <laughs> right. You know, oh. it, it's, and you play it and you're like, this is a beginner trumpet. This is not a beginner trumpet, right? It's supposed to be clunky and everything's supposed to stick. You know, and, but 
I think Sam, even it was you that told me that it's like it's a it's a special lacquer, or there's something different about those well, instruments. I, that I mean, it is interesting. The whole design process between about student instruments is usually durability, and that is true with some of the Eastman stuff. But they don't forget about design. They don't forget about playability. And when I say they, I mean like we as a group. I mean it really is a, a huge collaborative effort. That new student trumpet was designed with feedback from us and with Doc Severinsen. I mean, come on, that's an amazing thing to have in a student instrument. I've had that horn at another ITG and had a couple friends who were in like the airmen of note, try that horn, not tell them what it is. And they're like, damn, like, this is an amazing horn. Like I could easily use this on a gig. And then for them to find out that it's technically a student instrument just blows their mind. It's a, it's a pretty fun thing to be able to grow the quality of instruments from student all the way up. I think it was two years ago, Sarah Merkelbach asked me to run the Michigan Music Educators show. I, I did the Eastman booth there. Right. Right. And I had that trumpet on the table. And uh, this kid from one of the all-state jazz bands kept coming by. He was there all three days. And he ended up buying that horn. I mean, this kid just came by and kept playing jazz lick after jazz lick all day long. He brought his mom with him the third day and, and, you know, they ended up buying the trumpet, but you know, that was, it was a beginner trumpet. And here's this kid who probably, you know, people would have been steering him towards Yamaha or Bach or, you know, whatever, but that was all it takes is somebody to pick up the horn and be like, Oh yeah, that's the real deal. Yeah. This gets the job done. Mm -hmm. he, sounded, he sounded great on it. I've got a video of, you know, <laughs> I should probably share with you guys thinking well, you'd, you'd be blown away by that. So trumpets, trombones, euphoniums, are there tubas in, in the works for Shires? Not immediately in the works for Shires. Eastman has been developing professional tubas now really, really seriously for the last three or four years. The new Eastman, they have a, a new six-quarter C tuba that is, that is, remarkably good it's it's you know kind of based on that the chicago york c design and there there are a lot of people that are that are switching to that instrument they're having a lot of success mm -hmm. with it for now we're not really set up to to handle tubas in our little shop out here just they're, they're too big so we're we're gonna let eastman run with the tuba design project for a while right we do have we do have an, a new instrument you can uh, talk about it it's okay it's still, it hasn't been publicly announced, so everybody who's listening can hear it here first. Great. <laughs> All right. So we are working right now on a, on a Q-series French horn from Shires. It'll be, you know, essentially a brand new design from what is currently being made by Eastman. We just got, you just sort of finished the first, the first or second prototype. The first prototype I made here more by hand than you would want ideally the second one was was then basically tooled up and made in, in you know by eastman for us mm -hmm. we got that basically just last week and we've got it out in the field getting tested because i'm a terrible french horn player <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's it's going to be really exciting and so far the initial response to even my really rough prototype was was really really positive it's really exciting that's fantastic yeah. what, what about the response to that flugelhorn you just showed us Killer. It's been, it's been great. We had one of our artists, Matt Franke, who plays in Celine Dion's group, and he's like a Vegas, you know, trumpet god, was here and he played one of the first prototypes, even before this stuff. I mean, this was right before the COVID closures. He was like, you can, you can let me leave with this, right? 
no, we haven't even gotten into dock yet. I mean, like, we really got right. to really get into dock first. He's like, well, as soon as you get it back from dock, you know, please, like, send it over here. Like, I would love to, to get to know this thing a little bit more intimately. It's, it's yeah. a really fantastic horn, and we're so pumped. And to be able to have a custom series and a Q-series version of it, for the trumpet side of things, this has been huge. Like, having the Q-series line has been amazing because all of a sudden we have a line of instruments that their the playability and the intonation is incredible the price point is so accessible for a professional instrument and now i'm really happy to say we have b flats and c's in this line we ha i have here at my house we're prototyping our piccolo trumpet and our e flat d in the q series line wow that should also be out in 2021 so the q series line continues to grow each and every year into a more comprehensive line but the the root and the heart of the Q-Series line is incredible playing instruments at a more affordable price. And it truly is a really wonderful collaboration between our work here, our work in our Shires factories throughout the world and our whole team at like Eastman Music family. Well, I can actually speak to that too. I've had, you've delivered some Q-Cs uh, and B-flats and I've had a student that's bought, bought those and I've played them and I'm like, again, it's like my reaction to that beginner trumpet. It's like, really, <laughs> you know? This, right. it, this is, yeah, it's, you shouldn't, you should, well, I'll edit that out. I was going to say, you should sell it for way more than you're selling. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we could, it's, but it's, it's nice that we don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's brilliant. You know, and from a marketing standpoint, you know, just to, to show that there's this extremely high quality instrument available uh, and you don't have to break the bank on yeah. it. You know, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. So, so new things of course steve is is while we think about french horns isn't he out developing his own and, yeah and so steve added this out too i don't know if this is how public knowledge all this is but yeah steve steve ended up you know leaving shires in i guess right around january yeah, this year. Yeah. yep yep so uh, after after we were acquired by eastman Steve was was able to step back a little bit from running the sort of daily operations and the daily grind. He had an opportunity to actually move to Vermont pretty early on, and and he and his wife moved up to Vermont. And he was he he sort of spent the last the last you know four or five years with the company doing mostly like instrument design and 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 you know R and D and innovating new things. So we came out with a new type of trombone valve because of Steve that we have a patent on. It's our twin valve. It's just really, really, really interesting design. I want to say it's it's a little crazy, but it works so well. It's essentially two rotors that are ganged together and work in tandem together to operate the F attachment on a on a valve instead of doing it all in one valve. It's it's a it's a bonkers idea that that you know only Steve would have come up with, and it plays great. It's a really really interesting you know approach. So he was he was doing that with us, and and had always wanted to to do French horns, having you know worked at Osmond Music, which is a, a big French horn you know retailer here in, in Boston, and some of his early you know partners at Shires were were French horn enthusiasts. So he was he was developing and is and is still developing his own you know handmade in his in his workshop up in Vermont you know super custom French horn. You know, our, our, our approach here is going to, is separate from his, his project. You know, we're going with a Q series instrument. That's going to be, you know, more of a, a production model instrument on par with what you can buy from Yamaha or, or Khan or Holton, you know, those, you know, production line instruments. We will then grow that into a custom line here at Shires. 
that'll that'll be more of the you know what you think of as like the handmade custom custom French horns like from from Berg or or you know other makers like that so so there's been a recent collaboration with the Pickett mouthpieces too. Is that right? Yeah. Peter Pickett, who is another like gem among the industry. And I think we're all super happy that we get to work with him and spend time with him. He's an incredible mouthpiece maker and, and just a great human being. But they've been making our mouthpieces now for, gosh, I don't know, five years, more, something like that. But yeah, it's, that's a really wonderful relationship as well, because Peter gets it. I mean, he's a musician. He cares so much about the design and takes it so seriously. And his whole team, all of the guys and gals at Pickett, I mean, they're just good people. And it, it really feels like family. At this point, we go to trade shows and we have morning breakfasts with the Pickett team. You know, I mean, it really is a really great extension of our like family at these things. So it's very nice. They're probably my uh, favorite guys to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. going to say, I, I got to know Eric uh, a little bit yeah. last year, and it's like, oh, man, this this is one wild guy. You know? right. yeah. it's, it's a great hang with, with those guys, yeah. It really yeah. is. So, Sam, you mentioned you and Matt spend, like, would you say 150 days a year yeah. on the road? The, right now, obviously, not so much. My, my worst one was a little over 200 days. That's been a little bit less in the last couple of years, mostly because I was able to hire an incredible team. And you know Matt does some traveling, and Alexis does a little bit as well. But that ranges from these trade shows like ITF and ITG and things like that that we're talking about also to visiting university studios and brass days, going out to music stores and doing uh, trainings with dealers. You'd be amazed at how many, and Larry, you probably know this because you're in the education side of things, but how many people have individual brass days where they want a representative from our company to come? How many people you know, invite you out for concerts because they're performing on your instruments and it's a world premiere of a thing. Part of our Part of what's so important to us is the accessibility of our company to musicians and students and, and everyone. And so we do our best to make ourselves as available as possible. But it's really nice because part of that also gets down to the, the Eastman family because we have these incredible Eastman sales managers and Eastman sales directors who represent territories throughout the country. And so we get to work in tandem with them to grow the Shires brand to a much wider audience throughout the country, really, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Matt, you know, I right when we started, you alluded to the service. Were you were you in the service? I was, yeah. So I had joined actually as the Hawaii Army National Guard, and I spent six years with them. I did one deployment to the Middle East. We did convoy security out there. It had nothing to do with music really, but I did bring my trumpet with me <laughs> to the desert. Played when I could, but yeah, it. When I first got out of high school, I wasn't the best academic student in high school, but I knew I loved music. You know, I tried doing the college thing. I actually got initially like a full ride to the University of Hawaii, but academically, I didn't get in. Just off playing, I got the scholarship. So like, okay, go to this community college for a little while, you know, um, get your feet under you. And during that time, I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't really feel right for me. And so I joined the National Guard, you know, signed up, thinking that'd be a good way to get a little bit more discipline, I think, and it definitely helped <laughs> in that sense. And definitely going uh, overseas, I think, helped put uh, things into perspective, you know, as it as it does. And I came back with a, a fresh pair of, of eyes, I think, and saw the world in a different way. 
and I think that really helped propel me forward to where I'm at now, you know? So yeah, I did spend some time in the military, some time overseas with, and I think it just really made me realize how important certain things are to me, including music and including trumpets and all of that, which led me to pick the trumpet back up more seriously and start applying for schools. And I'm really happy I ended up in Boston because if it was not for that, then I wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we have yeah. we have similar uh, academic paths. We'll talk about we'll yeah. talk about that at some other point. But yeah, I will you say college was the, the best Force, 17 right? years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. 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 I was in the Air Force a uh, long, yeah. long time ago. But mm-hmm. so, guys, well, that again, this this is a lot of fun getting to know each other a little bit better. And uh, thanks for sharing your time this morning. I'm looking forward to the next time we can actually sit together and share a coffee or, you know, uh, make up some old football stories or whatever. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. Guys, please, please stay healthy. And I'll see you hopefully soon. Great. All right. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. I see you. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Tune in next week for another great interview. And one last reminder that you can help support this podcast by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studio HFL. Your support would be most appreciated. And another special thanks to Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and Pickett Blackburn for their support of this podcast. Thanks again. Now, go practice. <laughs>